When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am Brandon Karam, and uh, it is just me right now in this part of the episode. Uh, I will not I will not be available uh, tonight when all these games uh, are finished up. So I'm going to be doing part of the game recaps, uh, and then LJ will be taking over the second part of the recaps, but uh, still had a very eventful day in the league today on this Saturday. All 30 teams were scheduled to be in action. We have one postponement as of it is 749 right now, and that was the Cardinals and the Braves. But let's get into this very busy day. We're going to start with my New York Yankees taking on the Oakland Athletics in game two Yankees come into this game having lost five straight games at home and did not start off well for them Tony Kemp the second batter of the game he had the big home run the night prior to this and he goes yard once again his fourth homer of the year Oakland takes a 1-0 lead in the top of the fourth Matt Chapman steps up he rips his eighth homer of the year and Oakland is up two nothing Bottom four, Gio Rochella comes up with uh, two men on and rips a single to drive home the Yankees' first run of the day. And uh, it'd be 2-1 Oakland after four innings. Next half inning, top of the fifth, Matt Olson singles 
and that scores two. Oakland takes a three-run lead uh, after five. Bottom six, Gary Sanchez with his 11th home run of the year, and that pulls the Yankees within two runs. In the seventh, the Yankees rally. Aaron Judge starts it, or excuse me, he brings in the first run with an RBI single, scores Clint Frazier, who started the rally with a leadoff double. Uh, that made it 4-3, Oakland still in the lead. And then Giancarlo Stanton rips a single past the first baseman, and that will score Aaron Judge. And we are tied at four after seven innings. In the eighth, Gio Rochella with a clutch home run to give the Yankees the lead. They score four unanswered. Uh, at that point, it was four unanswered to take a 5-4 lead. Then DJ LeMayhew later on in the inning with a two-run single. Yankees take a 7-4 lead. They score six unanswered uh, to take that lead. In the ninth, the A's get one run off of a Roldis Chapman uh, by a Ramon Laureano single. And it would be 7-5. And that turns out to be your final. Chapman ends up getting the job done. And you can give the win to Chad Green in relief for the Yankees. The loss goes to Jesus Lazardo, who came out of the bullpen for Oakland today. A third of an inning, one hit, three runs, and two walks for him, now two and four on the year. Their starter was Chris Bassett, who looked very good today. Six innings, six hits, two earned, seven strikeouts across two walks. Domingo Herman, the starter for the Yankees today, uh, not his best start, but uh, certainly not terrible. Four innings, seven hits, four earned, six Ks. Nestor Cortez, big relief appearance, three innings, one hit, no earned runs, and three Ks. A uh, big spot for him there to come and pitch three innings while the Yankees were losing. And the Yankees get a win, of course, 7-5. And they will now play Oakland tomorrow uh, in the rubber game of this series. But let's move on to the next game, which is the Twins and the Rangers, this one won't get started. Uh, the scoring at least won't get started till the bottom of the third when Isaiah Kiner-Falefa rips a two-run home run to left field, and that gives Texas a 2 nothing lead. Top four, the man that I am campaigning for for the home run derby, Nelson Cruz. He hits a two-run bomb, and we are tied at two in the seventh Luis Arias walks with the bases loaded and that scores her run three two and that would be your final tough way for the Rangers to drop this one to Minnesota certainly two of the bottom feeders in the American League up to this point and yeah just overall tough loss for the Rangers here give the win to Caleb Thalbar I believe that's how you say his name, Theobar. That sounds about right. Uh, now 2-0, he comes out of the Minnesota bullpen, relieving Randy Dobnak. Five innings, four hits, two earned, and one strikeout for him. The loss goes to John King out of the Texas bullpen, and this is a tough loss to get. Three innings, no hits, one earned run, two walks in the strikeout. Of course, one of those two walks uh, was with the bases loaded. So really tough uh, loss for the Rangers here. Taylor Rogers gets the job done with his seventh save on the season. 
The next game we're going to talk about is the Indians and the Pirates. The Indians hit two home runs uh, to take a 2-0 lead, both solo shots. Those come from Harold Ramirez and Rene Rivera in the second and third innings, respectively. Pittsburgh then puts up a six-run bottom of the seventh inning. They get a Michael Perez home run uh, to make it – it's a three-run home run to make it 3-2. to two. They take the lead. And then Brian Reynolds with his own three-run home run, his 12th on the year, and Pittsburgh takes a 6-2 to two lead. In the ninth, though, Harold Ramirez, his second home run of the game for Cleveland, that draws them within three runs, but it's not enough. Pittsburgh – gets a 6-3 victory. Uh, they had lost, uh, I forget, it was something over 10 games. It had been 12 games in a row up until yesterday. They get that win 11-10, and now they got a two-game winning streak against one of the better teams in the league, the Indians, who are now uh, fall to 38-30. and But Pirates get the 6-3 win. You can give the win to Chris Stratton out of the Pittsburgh bullpen, two innings of scoreless relief. Uh, the starter for the Pirates today was Will Crow, four and two-thirds, two earned runs. The loss goes to Brian Shaw out of the Cleveland bullpen, fails to record an out, one hit, four earned runs, three walks. Cal Quantrill, the start for Cleveland, five innings, three hits of scoreless ball. All right, next game. Uh, this was the laser show of the day. If LJ was here, he would be making the laser sounds right now. But the Blue Jays and the Orioles, and it gets started off with two home runs in the top of the first coming from Marcus Simeon and Vladdy, his 23rd of the year to lead the league. And they take a 2-0 lead. Bottom two, Ryan Mountcastle homers, and then the next inning, Cedric Mullins homers, and we're tied at two. Baltimore then just piles it on with the home runs. In the fourth, Mountcastle goes yard again, a two-run home run to take a 4-2 lead. DJ Stewart homers in that inning, and they're up 5-2. And then in the sixth, Ryan Mountcastle with his third home run of the day. And Baltimore takes a 6-2 lead, but the scoring was not even close to being done at this point. Top seven, Toronto is able to get a run out of a double play, and they would trail by three at this point. But then in the bottom of the inning, Cedric Mullins with his second home run on the day. So that's one Baltimore Oriole with three home runs, the other with two, Cedric Mullins, uh, potentially your all-star starting center fielder in the American League. That gives Baltimore a 7-3 lead. Simeon then in the top of the eighth hits his second homer of the day to try to bring Toronto back into the game. And that's exactly what would happen because in the top of the ninth, the Orioles have an epic collapse. Marcus Simeon with a bases loaded walk to start it off. That would make it 7-5. Bo Bichette then drives home two runs to tie the game at seven. Flatty Jr. steps up and he rips a two-run double to make it 9-7. And then Randall Gritchick doubles also. It's 10-7. Baltimore unable to do anything in the bottom of the ninth. And they drop this one 10-7. You can give the win to 
Jordan Romano out of the Toronto bullpen. He pitches the last two innings scoreless. Alec Manoa got the start, three and a third, five earned runs and six strikeouts, allows four home runs. The loss to Paul Fry, and that was behind a Dean Kremer start. Uh, he was not shaken once again today. Six innings, two earned, and six Ks. And, yeah, uh, another win for Toronto, who has been struggling as of late, and they break a losing streak. So nice to see them back in business. All right, just a couple more games that I will be covering. Marlins and Cubs is next, and – Oh, another tough loss for the Cubs here. Uh, Adam Duvall, this man is on fire as of late. He hits a home run in the first to make it 3 nothing, and then another home run in the third to make it 6 nothing. at this point. His 16 home runs on the year now, I believe he's hit four in the last two games. And this was just a tough game for the Cubs all around. Jesus Sanchez with a single in the fifth to make it 7-0 Miami. Then Sanchez homers later in the game to make it 9-0. Lewin Diaz with a homer of his own. It's 11-0. And the only run the Cubs scratch across is a Jason Hayward solo home run in the bottom of the eighth. The Marlins route the Cubs two days in a row and win 11-1, to one. the win to Pablo Lopez, who was sensational today. Seven innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. The season ERA down to 2.86. He's now 3-4 and four on the year. The loss to Jake Arrieta, now 5-8 and eight on the year. Three innings, six hits, four earned runs, and five strikeouts. All right, last two games. The first is the first game of a doubleheader, the Mets and the Nationals playing two. And this was the Francisco Lindor game as the first three scoring events for the Mets come off the bat of him. Two run homer in the first, RBI single in the third to make it three nothing. And then why not? Another home run for Lindor. And it's five to nothing Mets after the fifth. A Juan Soto RBI single in the bottom of the fifth is the only run the Nationals score in this truncated seven inning doubleheader. And the Mets take game one. Uh, game two is still currently in progress uh, with the Nationals up six nothing in the sixth. So it looks like they're going to end up splitting this. But yeah, the Mets take this one. The win to. Aaron Loop, who uh, only gets one out out of the bullpen, but he got out of the inning. So that's all they need him to do. He relieved David Peterson, four and two thirds, two hits, one earned, six strikeouts to three walks. The loss to Joe Ross, the starter for uh, Washington, now three and seven on the year, five innings, five earned, five strikeouts. All right, last game. The Phillies and the Giants. This was another high-scoring one. And through the first three innings, the both teams scored runs in all three of those innings. And it starts off with a bases-loaded Alec Bohm hit by pitch. Mike Yastrzemski then goes deep to make it 2-1 to one San Francisco. Reese Hoskins responds with a homer of his own. It's 3-2. to two. Basically, after three innings of play, Philadelphia has a 6-5 to five lead thanks to a Ronald Torres double. 
No, they don't actually, because in the bottom of the third, I read it wrong. Brandon Belt homers were tied at six after three innings of play. Torres, who had a big day today, he goes deep in the sixth inning to break the tie, and it's 7-6. Philly, Hoskins with a double, and it's 8-6. Oduble Herrera, sack fly in the seventh. Hoskins goes yard, three-run bomb to put it out of reach, 12-6. And the Phillies go on to win 13-6, the last run driven in by USA hero, uh, USA Baseball Olympic qualifying hero, Luke Williams. Phillies win 13-6. to The win to Ranger Suarez. Aaron Nola had a rough start today, but he gets a no decision. Two and a third, six hits, six earned, uh, three walks, and one K. The loss to Harlan Garcia out of the San Francisco bullpen. Alec, Alex Wood with a rough start for them as well. Three innings, six hits, four earned, and four strikeouts. Well, all right, I'm going to turn the rest of the games over to LJ, and he will close out the show. But, uh, yeah, that will get you through the first half of the games. All right, while Brandon is on the run from the IRS, I will be taking care of the rest of these games for us today, starting right here with the Nationals and Mets game two. And the first score comes, of course, with – a Kyle Schwarber home run, 14th of the year. In the bottom of the third, Trey Turner goes yard to give them a two-run lead. And then in the bottom of the fourth, Washington is able to get four more across, including Kyle Schwarber's second home run of the game. A home run by Jose Peraza will not be enough to do it for the Mets as they fall to the Nationals 6-2. to two. Give the win to John Lester, who went six innings, allowing two earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Gesalman for the Mets, who pitched the first two innings of today's game, allowing just that first earned run to Kyle Schwarber. And then the Trey Turner ones fell on Reed Foley, as well as the second Schwarber home run. Something that, again, I discussed quite a bit of, my issues, my qualms with the way that the win stat can get played right now in the fact that it doesn't really accurately show anything. I think rather, I think rather than that, rather than throw that stat out entirely, I would rather see them tweak the rule going forward. So that's a little more inclusive and, one situation where it should, certainly should be is if the seven-inning doubleheaders are here to stay. I don't mind the seven-inning doubleheaders, certainly. However, it totally stinks for any starting pitcher in these games as a, a normal starting pitcher. Granted, I know a lot of teams like to use a bullpen game in the seven innings because they have less to go through. But there's other teams that are just going to play as if it's business as usual. I mean. I think that's really that's really what the Red Sox have done this year is they'll go and they'll put a normal starter out there. But the difference being they're going to pull that starter incredibly quickly, like in the third or fourth inning. Yeah, usually certainly like the fourth inning is probably the last inning you're going to see out of a normal day unless somebody's really running well, because a fourth inning and a seven inning game is basically the fifth and then some in a nine inning game 
So you're getting the same amount of work as you're expecting out of your starter comparatively. And now you can rely for those last three innings on your setup guys, your closer and all of that. But if you do that, then wins are kind of out of the picture for these guys. I mean, John Lester, very good day. Not, not, not incredible. Six innings, two earned six strikeouts. It's not like he was pitching a shutout here. However, that would have, that would have really been unfortunate if he couldn't get his first win of the season here on this game because he'd only been allowed to go four innings because the team was only going to go seven. So overall, I, I think that's a very simple change to make, maybe make the qualification for it before or maybe three innings to pick up a win in a seven inning double header. I don't think that is too drastic of a change. Next up, we're going to go out to Kansas city between the Red Sox and the Royals An RBI single by Xander Bogarts starts scoring off here in the bottom of the first or top of the first. This is tied in the bottom of the third as Carlos Santana drives in a run and then Boston led a big fifth inning to victory as Bobby Dahlbeck, Throbert D hits an RBI triple to score the go-ahead run. Danny Santana brings him in, and then J.D. Martinez hits his 14th piss missile of the year. Later on in the game, Bobby Dahlbeck will hit his ninth piss missile of the year. This one, an easy, no-doubt piss missile to right field, scores two, and gets the Red Sox the 7-1 to win. Give the win to Martin Perez. He went five innings, allowing three hits, one earned, and three strikeouts. The loss will go to Keller of Kansas City, who went five innings, allowing five hits, five earned runs, and four strikeouts, one shy of getting the full fives across the board, which entertains me, but... That's probably it. Moving over into another exciting game here, we've got the Mariners and the Rays. And scoring starts in favor of the Rays in the top of the second when Joey Wendell and Mike Zanino both drive in a pair of runs. And then the bottom of the second, Seattle manages to get them back and then some as J.P. Crawford hits a grand slam, a four-run piece, to make this a 5-2 Seattle game. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, the Rays will play catch up the rest of this game. Mike Zanino goes yard. Manny Margot goes yard. In the top of the ninth, Brandon Lau is able to get the solo piece to tie it. But then this will go into extras where Mitch Hanniger singles driving in the Manfred runner. That was all they needed as Tampa couldn't get anything across in the top half of the inning. And the Mariners win this one six to five. Give the win to Rafael Martero, who pitched that last inning. Logan Gilbert went out here, pitched five and two-thirds of an inning, allowing four earned runs and seven strikeouts. Not a bad outing for the kid. 
Lou Lawson will go to J.P. Fireisen, who did not record an out in that 10th inning, allowing the one unearned run, of course. Uh, Josh Fleming's got the start here. He went six and a third, allowing five earned and five strikeouts. With the new overtime, I or extra innings, I should say, um, you know, I think it's great. I think it's very exciting. However, the one flaw that I'm not a big fan of here is the gross advantage that the home team gets in these. I mean, you think about it, like with a normal extra innings, you're just playing it out. You're playing things as they normally go. And yes, the home team gets the advantage of last ups, but last ups is just so much bigger in this scenario because you know it you know more of what you have to get you know you have a guaranteed runner so with let's say if you're tampa here you don't really want to do the bunt sack fly guaranteed run because that only gives you one run with two outs on the board like you can't you can't guarantee yourself that that's going to be enough to win it you really need to be able to put yourself in a position where you could get two maybe three with a good inning meanwhile the Mariners already know what they have to put up, of course, as always. And so if the away team doesn't put up anything, it's they're in so much a more comfortable position to win, having only to do the sacrifice bunt, sacrifice fly at bare minimum to get the guy in. So you're really, while you've always known what you needed to get, if it's low, it's so much easier now to, uh, to get that to understand that and to execute as the home team than ever before. But with that said, the Boston Red Sox will take first place in the AL East as teams pretty much flounder around. Everybody has had a pretty rough week, week and a half here. Um, We're talking, you've got two teams, the Red Sox and Yankees are the only two teams above 500 over the last 10 games. No one has a winning streak greater than one game and of course Tampa is the one with the biggest slide out of anyone here as since the news of Tyler Glasnow's injury they have lost five straight again I cannot guarantee to you that these two are connected but there's a decent shot that morale boot that morale killer I should say was a significant factor in their inability to win games now i mean this is your best player definitively no ifs and or buts tyler glass now is the best player on the tampa bay rays they are now without him for the greater stretch of this year that's got to be a huge kick to the crotch to the team momentum especially when they were in chicago and beat chicago to kind of assert themselves as possibly the best team in the american league now it's all kind of suspect because this team looks a little more human without their best player out there. But I will certainly take the opportunity while it comes to me. Speaking of Chicago, we have the next seg- saga of Astros versus White Sox, Chicago versus Houston. And Houston's able to score off of a wild pitch by Lance Lynn right out of the get-go with only one out in the bottom of the first, this gives them a one nothing lead before Yoan Mankata drives it into tie. This would be Chicago's only run 
before the seventh inning as the Astros managed to go on quite the run here. Michael Brantley drives in and run on a single, and then a Robel Garcia double is able to drive in three runs. And then in the bottom of the fourth, Michael Brantley is able to put one more in early. Carlos Correa also adds his 13th home run of the season in this game as the Astros go on to win this one 7-3. to three. Give the win to Valdez of Houston. Seven innings, two earned, five strikeouts. Great day for Framber. On the losing end, it will be Lance Lynn, who went four innings, allowing five earned runs and six strikeouts. This is easily the best offense in the league. They're playing like it. The pitching is on the upswing. This Right now, this is easily, even if you take away, if this was any other team, I would have to say that Houston is still the winner. Like, I should say, if they were playing Kansas City, if they were playing Cleveland right now and playing like this, I would still be picking them to win the American League, even if they had never played Chicago yet. Like, if Chicago could be... 10 game five games up on them and I still think at the current form of this Houston team they are the scariest thing we're going to see in the American League all year this team is absolutely raking again this is seven runs tonight on 11 hits and when this pitching staff the biggest thing issue with this pitching staff really the only issue is they're really young like really really young and with that comes you know, some blow up starts, some uh, rookie mistakes, some youthful mistakes that can really derail some wins and derail some stretches if they get really cold. However, when they're hot, this is one of the best pitching groups in the game in terms of raw stuff. So you take the best offense in the game and then get the pitching hot and this team could easily run through the playoffs. Next up, we have Milwaukee and Colorado, and the Brewers get their revenge here today as they put up two runs in the top of the first, driven in by Willie Adamas and Avisail Garcia. This is quickly tied by Colorado, and in the bottom of the second, Rymel Tapia drives in a run on a single to take the lead. Then in the top of the third, Christian Yelich ties the game up before Colorado once again takes back this game and puts themselves up 5-3. to three. In the top of the seventh, Avasil Garcia drives in a run, and then in the top of the ninth, with the game on the line, one man on base, Willie Adamas hits his fourth home run of the year. This will push Milwaukee to the win 6-5. to five. Give the win to Richards out of the Milwaukee bullpen. He came in relief second for Adrian Hauser, who went six innings, allowing nine hits, five earned runs, and two strikeouts. The loss will go to Kinley out of the Colorado bullpen, his second blown save of the year. Austin Gomer started this game going two innings, allowing two earned runs before making way for Julius Chassin. And then the save will go to Josh Hader, his 18th of the year. Next up, we will have the Tigers and the Angels here. And this starts off 
very much in favor of the Angels here. In the bottom of the second, Luis Rangifo Rengifo hits an RBI to make this a one nothing game. Then in the bottom of the third, Shohei Otani and Jared Walsh go yard to make this a 5 nothing lead. This will be Otani's 22nd home run of the year and Jared Walsh's 17th top of the 5th and 6th. The Tigers try to make a little run back into this as Daz Cameron goes yard. Jonathan Scope goes yard, and Daz Cameron drives in one more to make this 5-3. But that's all they're able to get in this game. The Angels continue to pile it on and win this one 8-3. Give the win to Patrick Sandoval. He went five and two-thirds of an inning along three earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss will go to Willie Peralta. He went five innings, allowing five earned and two strikeouts here for the Angels, who are now above 500 at 36 and 35. And this is all before Mike Trout even makes his return to this roster sometime around the midway point of this year. Next up, we have the biggest story in baseball right now, but not the biggest story of the day, in my opinion, and that is the Arizona Diamondbacks versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. This game wasn't very pretty from the start. Will Smith goes yard in the top of the first for a two-run piece. Gavin Lux drives in another to make this 3-0. The Dodgers don't score again until the top of the sixth, where a Justin Turner double puts in everybody on the base path and makes this six, nothing. But the real story here was Walker Bueller who holds a no hitter into the seventh inning goes into the eighth inning with still very strong stuff out there ends up finishing with a final line of seven and a third, two hits, two earned runs and 11 strikeouts but this game wasn't even competitive despite Cattell Marte and Tim Locastro's RBIs the Diamondbacks drop another game at a score of nine to three this will be their 16th consecutive loss along the way in just continually embarrassing fashion the only positive thing you can say about this is at least it wasn't on the road so they weren't continuing two streaks at once Seeing St. Louis and Atlanta has been postponed. We will skip on over to what I think is the best story of the day, and that is this Reds-Padres matchup where we get in the top of the first and top of the second. Two runs come across the board for Cincinnati, driven in by Jesse Winker and Kyle Farmer. In the bottom of the third and fourth, Jake Cronenworth and Manny Machado are able to put runs in and make this a 5-2 San Diego game. And from here, Cincinnati is playing catch up in the top of the fifth. They're able to tie it thanks to RBIs from Eugenio Suarez and Tyler Naquin. But in the bottom of the eighth, Ha Seong Kim, the rookie from the Korean baseball organization, goes yard his fourth home run of the year. This will be a two-run piece and give San Diego, the seven to five win. Give the win to Chris Matt out of the San Diego bullpen. And the loss will go to Keith Hembry, 
who relieved Vladimir Gutierrez, who went five innings, allowing eight hits, five earned runs, and four strikeouts. However, the story to me here, at least, is by far Joey Votto and everything that went on with him. He gets ejected from the game after an encounter with the umpire, which he ended up having to be held back during after his first at-bat ends in a strikeout. Things went ugly there. He gets thrown out. Unfortunately, of course, the heartbreaking part of all of that is there's a lot of people, especially when you're Joey Votto, you're the franchise guy for years and years. There's a lot of heartbreak when there's the people that aren't able to get to the stadium regularly that show up and they really want to see you play. This is a guy who's been consistently in the lineup, consistently good as well. And people just, you know, they're really hoping to see him when they go and they see a Cincinnati game. And this instance, a six-year-old fan ended up having his dreams almost crushed by the very early Joey Votto ejection from this game. But what does he do? He's able to get this kid a ball. He's able to make this, make an apology. And really, it makes um, it makes it a fantastic story here because it just shows, um, yeah, the thing was, um, I'm sorry I didn't play the entire game in response to a six-year-old who was in tears after seeing Joey Votto get thrown out of the game. This is exactly the appropriate way to get into this. You know, there's a fine line that I think everyone has to walk when you're in this kind of celebrity spotlight of sports because sports are inherently highly competitive. Everyone out there is there for the purpose of winning. They all want to win the game while they're out there to play it. And that's what Joey Votto is doing here. You know, I'm not going to take any comment per se. I wasn't really watching the full game and what transpired during that in lifetime. So I don't think it's really entirely fair. I will say that that was not a good um, final strike call way out of the zone. So that was not fair on Joey Votto. Wasn't even a good um, swinging take sign, but regardless he competed, he wanted it, and that's sometimes what's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to get ejected. Sometimes things go too far. But part of being in sports is about the respect, about the integrity that you need to uphold during everything you do, everything you say, and really being a good sport. And this shows that Joey Votto, again, isn't a hothead. He is what every baseball player what every athlete should be he should be able to get heated get overly competitive have these things happen but then settle down sit back and remember this is entertainment this is about love for the game this is about making people happy making himself happy making the relationships and connections with the people around him and so to be so willing and so thoughtful so early on in the process. I mean, the turnaround time on this was an hour and a half, maybe two hours for him to find out about this girl and make sure she gets a signed ball and an apology. That's absolutely fantastic. That shows just how reflective Joey Votto is, how, not only how great a man he is, but the fact that he is the model for 
what a great athlete on the highest level should be from a moral value standpoint, from a overall self-reflective standpoint. If you're catching my drift here, he's, he's doing all the right things. More guys need to take from this because it's all for, I'm all for getting competitive and going out there trying to win the game. I'm all for ejections. They're some of the most exciting parts of baseball. However, there's so many guys, even if they don't get ejected, that take the game a little too far. And so anytime you get to see this, it's really great to see. But that will just about wrap things up here today for this show. Um, Certainly be interested to see how you guys like this format we've done here with the half day between me and Brandon. Hopefully they will not have detained him due to his tax fraud by the time we get back to recording tomorrow. But I mean, certainly stay tuned for more great baseball content. Make sure you go follow us at MLB daily pod, play our daily trivia game every weekday or every five out of every seven days we have a guess the player question really all you have to do is continuously play if you're able to get a point every day you're going to be able to climb up into that top five which receives some form of reward pretty quickly i mean we're talking in terms of consistency we've got quite a few semi-consistent players i would say within this of course Another member of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. A, lo- a number of our stuff ends up being our friends from Belly Up. But we've got a couple of very consistent people here, particularly the Bat Flip Podcast, our weekly baseball podcast here on Belly Up Sports. But past that, there's a whole slew of guys that are pretty consistently around, but not around every day. You've got the Broadway hat. You've got the... um one of the guys from the Rockin' at the Jake Cleveland Indians podcast, uh, Amari McPherson here, who is in the top three of scorers right now, however, doesn't play necessarily every day. He doesn't get it right every day either. Graham Wallace, our Blue Jays beat writer, also plays a lot. Sometimes he gets it right, sometimes he doesn't. So it's not like he's like on fire. He's still in the top five for scoring. And then the thing I find just as remarkable is we've got uh, Tom Matheny, who we've had on multiple times here on this show from Rockin' at the Jake, who had really didn't start playing until last week. And now he is on the precipice of being within these top scores. Actually, I believe by the time I calculate the leaderboards today, he will be tied for fifth place. So I can't emphasize, emphasize enough how if you just play, you could be very successful with this game. And I think it's a lot of fun. It's some interesting facts about guys that you might not have seen or might not initially recognize. So give it a look. Again, give us a follow at MLB Daily Pod on Twitter. Make sure you follow the show. Leave us a fun review. And we will see you manana.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications.